Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. You may be seated, and please don't laugh. Now, who do you suppose I am? Joseph. You know, Joseph from Mary and Joseph. You know, how do you know me? Well, how do you know Stedman? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, Mary's more famous than Oprah, of course. Oprah talks a lot more. But Mary, of course, is famous for bringing you and me the king. Quite literally, I was there, okay? You guys complain about crowded hospitals. Try doing the Lamaze with a cow breathing down your neck. But I'm with you this morning. Well, I'm with you this morning because the rector made me come. Lazy guy does everything he can to get out of preaching. But more importantly, because it was Mary who brought us the king. And it's Mary who brought me the king. And I want to tell you about it. That's why I'm here, because I hope that my story of finding God can help you do the same thing. So you guys like my motorcycle jacket? I thought it might freak you out a little bit. You know, everybody thinks of me as this holy old man. You know, Joseph, he worked so hard obediently for dad, making tables and chairs for the neighbors. You know, my dad was a carpenter. I was a carpenter. Of course, Jesus was a carpenter, but I didn't like making those chairs and tables. You know what I like? <coughs> I like boats. I like fast boats. And so that's what I made. I made really fast sailboats. First time I saw them on the Sea of Galilee, down in the Mediterranean, I was absolutely captivated. So I learned how to build them. I learned how to build lots of them. And I learned how to sail. And, you know, I really, my closest teachers were those sailors. Ever heard that saying? You talk like a sailor? I taught him. That's right. Sure, you've seen pictures of me when I was old. Those are like the popular ones. But you should have seen me when, when I was young, when this jacket fit. I worked hard. I played hard. And man, when you hear somebody, somebody curse like a sailor, I had a tattoo right here on the inside of my forearm. It said, no regrets. I didn't have any. There was not a girl in town or down by the coast that I'd let get by without taking her for a ride on my boat, if you know what I mean. What a life that was. That was until I met Mary. I'll never forget the first time. She was in the market. She's tall. She's thin. She's wearing blue. And I was buying a bunch of dates. And all of a sudden, I looked up, and there she was the most beautiful girl I had ever seen. People talk about having <coughs> visions of Mary today. Well, I tell you, those are nothing like the vision I saw that day. That girl was absolutely breathtaking. So I started doing some recon. You know, I asked around, asked my friends to ask friends, get her name and address, and figure out what kind of person she was. When the intel came back, I was depressed. 
Mary was one of those goody two-shoes who spent all day in church. No wonder I'd never seen her around. Forget that. I thought that would not work out. I, I liked God, but at a distance. Then for the next three days in a row, something dramatic, something amazing happened. You know, I was walking to work. I'd never seen this girl before. And three days in a row, walking to work, I see her. One day, two days, three days, what are the odds? Each time I saw her, my heart skipped. I had to meet her. I had to get to know Mary. I went to church. That's not to say I'd never been to church. Where I grew up, religion was mandatory. But looking at you guys in the back row, yeah, that was me. I went when I had to go. I never went willingly. Always brought something else to do. I know you guys back there got all your smartphones out. Yeah. But we had our own games to play. Anything to make that time pass quicker so we could get out and get on with the day. That is until Mary. Every weekend I began to go to church, hoping to get a glimpse of her. Until one day they announced this, this small group Bible study. Not for me, but it was for families. And Mary's family signed up. So I signed up. I know, I know. That's how we met in a Bible study, me of all places of all persons, and boy, how Mary knew her Bible. So I knew the only way to impress her was that I had to get conversions with the Bible. So it wasn't with the most pure motives that I started Bible study, but God uses what God uses to get done what God needs to get done. <coughs> so after a couple of months of this, I became friends with Mary, and I became friends with her family. You see, my day, you can't date a girl without knowing the dad and the mom, and the brothers, and the sisters, and the dogs, and the chickens, and the cats, and the goats, you know what I mean. They had to trust you. And I was good at winning people's trust, remember? All those times down by the dock, courting the ladies, you know what I mean? I was very good at it, until I wasn't. See, one day I went over to Mary's house to do a little Bible study. Her dad pulls me aside. Pulls me in the kitchen, said he knows my kind. I know your kind, he told me. He wasn't sure he could trust me. He had some questions about my sincerity. And he asked me to declare my faith in the first commandment, that I should love the Lord as one God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. Had I repented of my sins? Had I taken God seriously? Well, I'd been reading that kind of stuff for years and hearing it in church of course never captured me though the way it did that day at Mary's house when her dad pulled me aside and asked me that question now Mary had overheard she slipped in the back room I looked at I looked at her I wondered what my answer would be I knew what the right answer was but I also knew that if I gave the right answer I'd have to give up the lifestyle I'd like living with me in charge, with me first. And I had to think long and hard about doing that. And as Mary looked at me, I could feel her gaze. And with it, I felt a sense of strength, a sense of peace and affirmation that leaving behind the old ways would actually make room for better ways. I thought of all the ways I was living my life on my own, by myself. Here I was getting older, I still wasn't married. And the fear and loneliness that accompanied my reliance on myself because I knew deep down 
how fallible I really was. And I knew deep down how guilty I was of doing things that I shouldn't, of letting people down. I had been avoiding God while going to church all my life. Could I be forgiven? Well, so this notion that there was something bigger than me, something in charge of things other than me, who cares about me, who loves me, began pulling harder and harder at my heart. All those church services I had listened half-heartedly to, well, they began to fall in place. The warmth of the people who loved me, the sense that this was the right thing to do, that steady, smiling gaze of Mary. Well, it undid me, and I knew that I had to trust like Mary trusted. I knew I had to have faith to be forgiven and to accept this next step in my journey. So I did. I looked Mary's father in the eye and I assured him that I was the real deal. Just stick around, I told him, and watch and let him make up his mind in his own time. So weeks went by, months went by. I was out there on my boat with Mary. And I was tying up a sail and my sleeves looked down. And for the first time she saw my tattoo, no regrets. She asked me a question, she said, do you believe that? I said, you know, at the time I really did. At the time I thought that having no regrets was a sign of confidence, sign of courage, sign of fortitude that I was intentional and sure of myself and everything I said and did. But I found out that anyone who lives with no, no regrets lives a pretty unexamined life. Now I've found that owning up to my regrets is the healthiest thing I can do. Owning up to them when trying to, and then try to fix it. If I can try to repair any of the damage I've done. And then of course, the best thing I can do is try to learn from them and not do it again. Here's one thing I've learned. You know, not long ago, Mike, the Greeks brought the Olympics to Rome. And my friend went, went up to see the Olympic Games. And one thing he noticed was that whenever the top finishers were awarded the gold and the silver and the bronze, they took the stage, they got the medals. The happiest person on that stage was a gold medal winner. They tried their hardest, they won it. The second happiest person was the bronze medal winner. And the third happiest person was the silver medal winner. And Mary stopped me and she said, she said, why is that? And I said, it's because the bronze medal winners are saying, at least, at least I was not fourth, at least I was in fifth, at least I was in sixth. And the silver medal winners, well, they're saying, if only, if only I'd run harder, if only I'd train harder, if only I'd eaten better. And their regret undoes them. Now I've learned to go through life saying, if only, and not at least. This conversation led me to the tattoo removal shop. And you have never seen these technicians laugh harder than when they're taking off a tattoo that says no regrets. Yeah. <laughs> a little while after that tattoo came off, Mary's father trusted me enough to let me get engaged with Mary. By that time, we'd grown so close to each other. We'd grown so close to God that we sort of knew this was gonna happen. And that's of course when the dreams started coming. Dreams of angels telling me all sorts of things that I would have in younger days laughed at or laughed off. But when I saw God working in my life, when I connected with God in my heart, God guiding me and comforting me and causing me to get my life turned around, 
few other things could surprise me. And that is my message for you. All of us get into places where we don't suspect change is possible. We get into routines and belief patterns that shut out any notion that things can change. But I'm here to tell you, not so fast. I've heard angels singing in the sky. I've seen stars moving in the heavens. I've seen visions of divine guidance and provision. And if there's any advice this old boat builder can give you, it's to trust that voice. You know what it's saying. You know how to make room for it. Trust it, obey it. But that's one thing for which I have no regrets. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.